I'm Scott. Hello, I'm Julie. And this is A Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yes, indeed. And this is episode 222. Ooh. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Markheim by Robert Louis Stevenson. So it was published in 1885 uh, in December uh which is a good month to publish this story because it takes place on Christmas Day mm-hmm. in a shop. In a pawn shop. In a pawn shop, right. Well, I feel like maybe it was just a shop. You're right. Yeah. But he so, would buy things that people uh, yeah. sold to him. So. It, it, was a, it was a shop with a whole bunch of varied stuff in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Many clocks and mirrors, as yes. we're told. <laughs> it, uh, it feels like it was just packed with stuff mm-hmm. that's that's the impression that i had anyway yeah. yeah so markheim is uh talking to the dealer in the shop yeah markheim he, he, yeah and that's and the, the only dealer. name we get for him right nope just that's one it name, markheim like sting he was just <laughs> markheim <laughs> we don't need to know his first name right <laughs> he, he's He's kind of an arm's length kind of guy. Yeah. You just stay over there and I'll stay over here. <laughs> We're, this is just business. Yep, yep. And Markheim wants to buy something for a uh, young lady who he's going to have dinner with. And in the conversation, we learn that the dealer is used to buying things from him hmm. that he's been taking from his uncle's cabinet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, this guy's like, no, this time I'm going to buy something because this is a rich young lady, so it could work out for me. And the dealer's like, okay. I mean, one of the best things about this story is the first paragraph. Yes, said the dealer, our windfalls are of various kinds. Some customers are ignorant, and then I touch a dividend on my superior knowledge. Some are dishonest. And here he held up the candle so that the light fell strongly on his visitor. And in that case, he continued, I profit by my virtue. <laughs> and you're just like, okay. Isn't He's making cool? a real clear statement here to Markheim <laughs> about him. It's fun. It's like a, a movie scene, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's so cinematic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the story is packed with um, moments like that. Hmm. Where um, you'll, he'll, Markheim will suddenly stop and they'll say, oh, outside you could hear people talking and, you know, carriage going by. And suddenly you're whirled into the fact of how quiet the place is where Markheim is mm, yeah. and how much darker and the clocks are ticking. Unsettlingly I mean, really quiet to Markheim, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh so they're going to make this deal, and um, you know this is a really short story. I don't know how much of it we need to tell. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, yeah, we. It doesn't take very long to read at all. So no, it takes place on Christmas, and there's a moral mm-hmm. conundrum. Yeah, yeah. A big moral conundrum, and <laughs> um, I don't know if I want to tell anymore. Okay, sounds good. Think? No, that's just yeah. fine. That's just fine. Okay. Yeah. So please, yeah, read it if you'd uh, like to to know about the story as we discuss it in depth. Yeah, and it's a Christmas mystery, you know. So I found it first through Otto Penzler's 
big book of Christmas mysteries. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And he, once a year for some time now, has Otto Penzler is the um, editor, and he runs the Mysterious Bookshop in New York City. Hmm. And this is a vintage crime black lizard original. Wow. So they have the big book. So he has Mm -hmm. the big book of adventure stories, the big book of Christmas mysteries, the big book of ghost stories, the big book of heroes and villains. And these are in crime mysteries. And it's always short stories, occasionally a couple of novellas in there. Uh And they're always pulp type stories or things that were in magazines. Sometimes they were in books, Mm. but a lot of them are things that you can't really get anymore. Or they were published in collections around maybe the turn of the 20th century. And so nobody knows of them. And they're usually very entertaining. I have several of these collections. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. And every year about this time, I pick up this one. Christmas mysteries. I don't read all of them, but I dip in and find things I don't remember. Oh, that's and cool. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Nice. And this one, yeah, I mm-hmm. when I first got the book, which was the year it came out, whenever that was, I read this story and went, whoa, what did I just read? <laughs> so um, yeah. if anybody's interested, that's a great collection. Great, great. Yeah. Yeah, and I just have, a, a, I think it was a 99 cent Kindle version. Yeah. But then I also got uh, B.J. Harrison's reading um, oh. And I think the the last time we did an older story, I also had a B.J. Harrison reading. He's so good. <laughs> he is. He's great. And um, yeah. the one, I'm just looking it up really quick. The one I got, um, he's got a collection on Audible okay. called A Classic Tales Christmas. Oh. And it's got O. Henry, Arthur Conan Doyle, Charles Dickens. Um, there's a There's a, wow, it must be almost 20 stories. And uh, Mark Heim was one of them. Yeah, and but he terrific. he's so good. If people mm. aren't listening to the Classic Tales podcast, they're missing something great. Mm. You bet, you bet. And his stuff on Audible is never very expensive. And he's actually got his own little audio shop. I think it's called thebestaudiobooks.com. Okay. Where everything's very reasonably priced and then all the money goes to him. Nice. So, um, yeah, he's one of, those, you, one of those internet folks, right? Who uh, mm-hmm. seems to be... I hope he's making a living. I actually don't have any basis to say that, I guess. But just judging from the quality of his reading and the quality of that website and stuff, yeah, I think I he must know. be doing okay. I hope yeah, so. Yeah, because when you look on Audible, he's got other people's books that he's doing readings for. Nice. Yeah, so I hope he great. is. And I know I give him a little money every month. Mm, um, very good. You, know, he, you can do a thing where you support the people. And oh, cool. So I do that. Very good. Yeah. Love it. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Nice. B.J. Harrison. Yes. Yeah, so I was pretty surprised when Markheim stabs the dealer. I was shocked, okay? Ne- never having <laughs> like, read this story, yeah. never having any... I, I didn't look it up in any way. Good. I just said, uh, let me you know, find this story, and I'm um, listening along, and all of a sudden it was, he did what? <laughs> you know, so... So oh, it, it, was, it was really cool. So, so first of all... Um, I, I knew something was really odd. Well, it's you know it's it's Robert Louis Stevenson, right? But right. I knew something was really weird when um, the shopkeeper says, um, "Hey, how about this mirror as a gift?" Yeah, and he's like, "Who on earth would ever want to see themselves in a mirror?" Um, it yeah. was like he was recoiling it. It's like I do not want to look at myself in that thing. Yeah, and then uh, 
Yeah, so that set the tone that this was going to be really strange, and it was an uneasy feeling at that point. And then um, the shopkeeper puts the mirror down and bends over to get something else, and next thing you know, Markheim pulls out a knife and <laughs> kills the guy <laughs> in, the, in a sentence, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's, it was something. It's just a few paragraphs into the beginning of the story, yeah. so done. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was super shocking and it was super fast in the writing. Um, yeah. And there's no one else in the house. The servant girl has gone out for the day. So she's out running an errand or yeah. something. Yeah. No, she's out for her, the day. It's Christmas day. Oh, okay. She's on but her I holiday. Thought, for- uh, the reason I thought she was on an errand is because, uh, Markheim was worried about her returning. And but he's worried about a lot of things that aren't is. really happening. That's he's, very he's, true. It's kind of showing, you know, how guilt instantly changes your perception of everything. So he's worried that, you know, like the neighbor next door might have heard the bump of the body falling down. Yeah. And be calling the police right then. Well, and he knows, I think Stevenson says, he knows that couldn't be the case, but that's what he's worried about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's worried about her coming back early. He's worried because it said she... um I don't think I marked that part, but it's that she went out like to see a sweetheart or something or her family because it's the holiday. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. this shop is not open on the holiday either. Mm-mm. Is there just special? So, I mean, there's, he's only going to have Markheim and that's it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I found that line. I'm, the one sentence, the long skewer like dagger flashed and fell. And that was like, what? <laughs> and then it says the dealer struggled like a hen, striking his temple on the shelf and then tumbled on the floor in a heap. Yeah. And then this next sentence I loved. Uh, time had some score of small voices in that shop, some stately and slow, as was becoming to their great age, others garrulous and hurried. All these told out the seconds in an intricate chorus of tickings. You know, it reminds me of um, the Telltale Heart. Oh, yeah. You know, Edgar Allan Poe. So, you know, so a murder occurs and um, now uh, Markheim is just being, he's being extremely paranoid. He's like um, experiencing all these things in the aftermath of having done it. Yeah, because it says, right after that it says, Then the passage of a lad's feet, heavily running on the pavement, broke in upon these smaller voices and startled Markheim into the consciousness of his surroundings. He looked about him awfully. The candle stood on the counter, its flame solemnly wagging in a draft. And by that inconsiderable movement, the whole room was filled with noiseless bustle and kept heaving like a sea, the tall shadows nodding, the gross blots of darkness swelling and dwindling as with respiration, the faces of the portraits and the china gods changing and wavering like images in water, the inner door stood ajar and peered into that leaguer of shadows with a long slit of daylight like a pointing finger. Ooh, yeah. You so, did that. Yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. everything is suddenly coming in on him and his whole state of mind has changed. Right. And there was and then, a sorry. Yeah. There was a no, moment. Yeah. There was a moment before that, um, where Markheim seemed to change almost personalities for an instant or something, 
so this is before he killed the dealer, obviously. So it says the dealer, while he thus ran on in his dry and biting voice, had stooped to take an object from its place. And as he had done so, a shock had passed through Markheim, a start both of hand and foot, a sudden leap of many tumultuous passions to the face. It passed as swiftly as it came and left no trace beyond a certain trembling of the hand that now received the glass. So yeah. it's, it's you know, when he was given the mirror, the glass is the mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what was that? <laughs> you know, uh, I was like, what is that? It, it made me wonder about like a possession or something. And oh, when I was reading yeah. it, like something had come into him or something. Uh, but I didn't think that anymore, uh, not long after that. That's not what I think is going on here at all. Um, but th- that's an interesting passage. And then yeah. when he kills the guy, just like you said, he's suddenly like not present for a second, kind of. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly he becomes aware of his surroundings again. Yeah. I wonder what, if, if anything is being said there. I just think it's, um, I think Stevenson is really getting us into the inner mindset of somebody who's done something like this. Mm. You know, because most of the story at that point is what he's observing or yeah. feeling. Yeah. And because he, you know, he's looking at the body and thinking about how now there's nothing to it. He, the bells are ringing outside. And then he suddenly goes, oh. And he starts moving around and filling his pockets with stuff. And I'm like, you did this so you could just, only your pockets? Can huh. you get enough from this to yeah. save yourself? financially i assume so um and then he goes into the house itself yeah yeah so the shop's attached to the house there's nobody in the house and he goes into the house and he starts searching around there and then he starts worrying someone else is in the house yeah see that's interesting um so the start that he's feeling here and the start that he felt when he actually did the murder with the Mm -hmm. mirror he is he is reacting to everything he's done up to that point and with the murder, mm-hmm. he's reacting to what he just did. Right. Right. So he was, that, that's why he didn't want the mirror, right? So a start of both hand and foot, a sudden leap of many tumultuous passions to the face. So he's remembering many different things. And then it passes. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because he says, um, when he talks about the mirror, he says, I ask you, said Markheim, for a Christmas present, and you give me this, this damned reminder of years and sins and follies, mm. this hand conscience. Hmm. Did you mean it? Had you a thought in your mind? Tell me. So, yeah. um, and it's funny because then he says, well, I'm guessing you're a charitable man. Do you give money to charity? <laughs> the dealer's like, you're kidding, right? No, mm. I keep all my money. And it's almost like... Um, I don't even know why he's asking that unless he's trying to find a reason not to kill him, but he's not killing him for any personal reason other than he's out of money and he wants something to play on the stock market and make all his money back. Yeah. that w- That's interesting. You know, now that you say that, is he, is he trying to justify what he's about to do or trying to find a reason not to Yeah, like that, you know, so this charitable thing. And then he asks you, have you ever been in love? Oh, yeah. You know, so, um, you know, or is he, you know, I guess the more cynical view would be, is he just trying to know if anybody's around? <laughs> I guess. You know, if you're in love, where's your wife, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah. But you get the feeling he knows he's not married because he knows it's just the servant girl. Right. And he's there on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. When mm-hmm. anybody else would be with family. Right. So, Fascinating. yeah. So mm-hmm. a There's lot a lot of, of stuff story, in these lines. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it's really dense. It is. Yeah. Because a lot of the, I was going to say a lot of it is him just by himself rifling through the house and looking at things like pictures on the wall, um, you know, in passing or they catch his attention, not because he's, you know, just walking around looking at them. And um, this is when, again, you'll have things like something in the street that he'll hear that will kind of call him back to himself or contrast with what he's doing then. Mm-hmm. And he's going through mood changes. Sometimes he's freaking out. Sometimes he's almost peaceful. Right. And right. Um, so he's clearly not in his right mind, as nobody would be who's a murderer anyway. Yeah. And this is the guy who wrote Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Right. People mm-hmm. often compare these and say this is like a pocket version of it. Yeah. They was that before or after this? People. I wonder. I don't know. I can look that up very quickly. Oh, there you go. Because um, we have Someone, the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> well, and when I was kind of looking around yesterday, I saw somebody who said it was the style of that time to t- kind of write something that would examine ideas you had read in some other famous book. Hmm. And so they look at this and go, this is like crime and punishment. Interesting. Which I've never read. And the couple of people who were saying that were, of course, um, saying you can't examine things the way crime and punishment does, but it's it's not a bad encapsulation of that kind of concept, although it adds a supernatural element at the end that I don't think is in that book. But I, again, it's one that <clears throat> I'm going to have to read. I think I'm going to read it next year. But. Yeah, interesting. So yeah. Uh, Markheim was published in December of 1885. In something called The Broken Shaft, Unwind's Christmas Annual. Mm. And then Jekyll and Hyde came out the next month. It came out on the 5th of January, 1886. So it had already been written. In England, yeah. 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 And that was a novella-length story. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so this, the, the, these ideas are floating around in his head and he's experimenting. Yeah, this is yeah. on his mind anyway is, mm-hmm. would we choose good or evil and... Um, then what do we do once we've chosen it? Yeah. And so, yeah, then it gets really interesting, of course, because there is someone in the house. (laughs) That's right. Someone who, and it's the way they're introduced is so funny is, um, says he didn't know what to expect because he could hear footprints or footsteps, sorry. Mm -hmm. And, um, the knob turned the lock clicked the door open and it said he was like freaking out and it says but when a face thrust into the aperture glanced around the room looked at him nodded and smiled as if in friendly recognition and then withdrew again and the door closed behind it his fear broke loose from his control in a hoarse cry at the sound of this his visitant returned (laughs) did you call me he asked pleasantly (laughs) and with that he entered the room and closed the door behind him yeah that was and then cool. I like it. it says Markheim stood and gazed at him with all his eyes. Perhaps there was a film upon his sight, but the outlines of the newcomers seemed to change and waver like those of the idols in the wavering candlelight of the shop. And at times he thought he knew him, and at times he thought he bore a likeness to himself. And always, like a lump of living terror, there lay in his bosom the conviction that this thing was not of the earth and not of God. Mm. And then he's like, "So mm-hmm. you're you're looking for the money?" I need to warn you, the maid's left early. She's coming back now. 
Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, giving him advice. Hmm. You know, yeah. so you can wait and kill her. That's probably the best way. Then you have all night. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Just. <laughs> yeah, and then and then this this other, you know, it says the other. You know, I yeah. should warn you, resume the other, that the maid has left her sweetheart earlier than usual and will soon be here. If Mr. Markheim be found in this house, I need not describe to him the consequences. And then um, he's Keep like, going. you know who I am. You know me, cried the murderer. The visitor smiled. You have long been a favorite of mine, he said. And I have long observed and often sought to help you. What are you? cried Markheim. The devil? What I may be, returned the other, cannot affect the service I propose to render you. It can, cried Markheim. It does. Be helped by you? No, never, not by you. You do not know me yet, thank God. You do not know me. I know you, replied the visitant, with a sort of kind severity, or rather firmness. I know you to the soul. Know me, cried Markheim. Who can do so? My life is but a travesty and slander on myself. I have lived to belie my nature. All men do. All men are better than this disguise that grows about and stifles them. You should see each dragged away by life, like one whom bravos have seized and muffled in a cloak. If they had their own control, if you could see their faces, they would be altogether different. They would shine out for heroes and saints. I am worse than most. Myself is more overlaid. My excuse is known to me and God. But had men and God. I, I'm sorry? Yeah, men and God, mine says. Oh, huh. mine says me and God. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I wonder Very if good. mine is a, is a typo. That's, that is interesting. Mine? Yeah. yeah. But had I the time, I could disclose myself. To me, inquired the visitant. To you before all, returned the murderer. I supposed you were intelligent. I thought, since you exist, you would prove a reader of the heart. And yet, you would propose to judge me by my acts. Think of it. My acts. <laughs> I was... Yeah. <laughs> I was born and I have lived in a land of giants. Giants have dragged me by the wrist since I was born out of my mother. The giants of circumstance. And you would judge me by my acts. But can you not look within? Can you not understand that evil is hateful to me? Can you not see within me the clear writing of conscience, never blurred by any willful sophistry, although too often disregarded? Can you not read me for, the, for a thing that surely must be common as humanity, the unwilling sinner? <laughs> it's like... I'm really noble. I can't help it. I just yeah. can't help it. His heart is purer than we know, even though we have evidence of these crimes. You know, stealing from his uncle, killing the man downstairs. And he's standing there going, it's not really my fault, man. Oh, my gosh. And that it's, yeah. it's something. I supposed you were intelligent. I thought since you would exist, you would prove a reader of the heart. And yet you would propose to judge me by my acts? What? You know, that's like just amazing. Have? It's amazing. Yeah, this this is the ends justify the means. Yes, right, right. Um, and it's interesting, too. I mean, we don't know who the visitant is. No, that's and, the mystery. And who I think that's does what's Markheim interesting. think he is? Thinks he's the devil. That's what I think so, too. Because, yeah. you know, he, he said, are you a devil earlier, right? But he says, to you before all, to you before all, 
I supposed you were intelligent, so if he's talking to the devil, I thought, since you exist, you would prove a reader of the heart. Right? And he's talking to the devil here. Mm -hmm. And yet you would propose to judge me by my acts. Yeah, how dare you? Yeah, how dare you? Right. Well, because then later on, um, the person says, I'm, I'll help you. I'll tell mm-hmm. you whatever you need to know. I can tell you uh, where to find the money. And he says, for what price? I offer you the service of, for a Christmas gift, returned the other. And Markheim says, I will take nothing at your hands. If I were dying of thirst and it was your hand that put the pitcher to my lips, I should find the courage to refuse. It may be credulous, but I will do nothing to commit myself to evil. Mm. Um, and it's like, wait. You know what you've just done, right? Do do you remember the last few minutes or yeah. hours or whatever? Right. It's he's suddenly acting all noble and superior, like, oh, the devil's appeared, and I'm not going to take his deal. Mm. It's like, what do you think? Oh my gosh! And we don't know. That's what is what makes it interesting because this is the mystery. Mm. We know this guy is committing the crime. We have evidence of why. You know, he's been stealing and he's out of money and all this kind of thing. But who is this person? Yeah, who's the person is the mystery. That's that's cool. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I will do nothing to commit myself to evil. And then the visitant says, I have no objection to a deathbed repentance. You'd think that if he was a devil, he would have objection to a deathbed repentance. Right. Right? He wants that guy. Well, he says, and Markheim says, because you disbelieve their efficacy. Ah. I do Mm -hmm. not say so, returned the other, but I look on these things from a different side, and when the life is done, my interest falls. Hmm. The man has learned to to live to serve me, to spread black looks under the color of religion, or sow tares in the wheat field as you do, in a course of wheat compliance with desire. Now that he draws so near to his deliverance, he can add but one act of servants, to repent, to die smiling, and thus to build up in confidence and hope the more timorous of my surviving followers." I am not so hard a master. Try me. Accept my help. Hmm. Um, and it's so, it's, but what that other is saying is nebulous. You know, you yeah. and I, reading this out loud, it sounds less nebulous uh-huh. than when I was just reading it to myself. Yeah, yeah. Because he's not committing. He's making Markheim kind of have to think about it. And what's really interesting to me is so then as the conversation goes on, Markheim's like, uh, you know, he's, he talks about, you know, um, yes, I've committed murder. And he says, I like this. He says, murder is to me no special category, replied the other. All sins are murder, even as all life is war. I behold your race like starving mariners on a raft, plucking crusts out of the hands of famine and feeding on each other's lives. I follow sins beyond the moment of their acting. I find in all that the last consequence is death. And to my eyes, the pretty maid who thwarts her mother with such taking graces on a question of a ball drips no less visibly with human gore than such a murderer as yourself. Hmm. Do I say I follow sins? I follow virtues also. They differ not by the thickness of a nail. They're both sides for the reaping reaping, (laughs) Hmm. angel of death. So, and, and he says, evil for which I live consists not in action, but character. But it's this thing of, um, so here the idea is introduced that mm-hmm. sin is sin. Yes. Murder yeah. is the same as the little girl who lies to her mother about a ball. Wow. And I was mm-hmm. like, 
I don't, the Catholics don't do that. Um, And of course this is the other, but it's that thing of um, venial sin, Mm, which mm -hmm. is lesser sins versus mortal sins. Yeah. Which is like Markheim has committed a mortal sin. He planned to do it. He, he definitely wished ill on somebody and acted on it, killed them. A venial sin um, is like, the little girl lying about a ball or stealing a pack of gum or whatever it is, it's, it's, you know, there's degrees. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yep. But, yeah, and here he's, he's making, saying, yeah. yeah, but he's making a strong point that, you know, each person commits sin based on their opportunity also. Right. And I kind of like that. That's, mm-hmm. it was interesting to me. That is very interesting. And again, you know, what is what is he saying? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it, it's like, you know, fishing for clues as to who he is. Mm-hmm. And um, so you said, evil for which I live consists not in action, but in character. And then he says, the bad man is dear to me, not the bad act, whose fruits, if we could follow them far enough down the hurtling cataract of the ages, might yet be found more blessed than those of the rarest virtues. And that's that's awesome. So I mean, what he's saying that makes me think he's good, right? Because mm-hmm. the bad man is dear to me, not the bad act. Okay, yeah. the sinner, not the sin. Right? Yeah. He cares about the sinner. But right. the fruits of the sins, if we could follow them down, because they're affecting all kinds of other things, mm-hmm. might yet be found more blessed than those of rarest virtues. And we've talked about things like this before, where. Um, these are the opportunities of decision for people. Yeah. Right? So right. so for you to, to be given a decision, whether to be sinful or not, is probably the effect of, of what's happening here. Right? And you know what's interesting? I didn't put this together until I was listening to you say this. But of course, that's exactly what happens in this story. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Exactly mm-hmm. what happens in this story. Yeah. The fact that he murders the person is what leads to the conclusion. Yeah. So in a way, Redemption. this is you know uh, an answer to the question: um, Why does God let evil exist? Right. Yeah. It's not that he wanted that dealer murdered, but since Markheim made that decision, it will be used maybe for something else too. Exactly. No and, one thing is not connected to other things. Right. Yeah. And without allowing the free will of decision. Mm-hmm. It's meaningless. It doesn't, you yeah. know, that that decision to follow good or evil doesn't mean anything if we're just made to follow one or the other. Right. As this guy believes, right? This guy is yeah. like, hey, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do because I can't help it. I am completely subject to um, my past. The whims of, the whims, yeah, yeah, exactly. Whatever it is that has created me, you know, the universe has created me such. I can't help it. Right. Well, and so there's, because the last sentence of what the other is saying, he says, and it is not because you have killed a dealer, but because you are Markheim that I offer to forward your escape. Hmm. I was like, so there's the care for the individual. Right. Right. I care about you personally. Yeah. Um, from which anybody who's listening to this knows what I think that person is. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because Markheim's going, I'm a free actor in the world. Now I can really do what I thought. You know, I, I, I'm going to really change my ways. And the visitor, this is what I love, is the visitor's like, so I think you're going to use the money on the stock exchange? But you've done that. 
and lost thousands. Just, oh, mm-hmm. but this time I've got a plan. <laughs> sure thing. And he goes, oh, you're going to lose. Oh, my gosh. And he goes, well, Is I'm that, giving back that's... half. And he goes, you're going to lose that too. And he uh. goes, well, well, then then that's okay. So, uh, so uh. I'm poor. So it'll happen. I, I can do it. I can do better. I'll do this stuff. And he goes, do you see what you're doing? He mm. goes, you know, what is it, five years ago, 15 years ago? You would have started at a theft. Three years back, you would have blanched at the name of murder. Is there any crime? Is there any cruelty or meanness from which you still recoil? Five years from now, I shall detect in you the fact. Downward, downward lies your way, nor can anything but death avail to stop you. Mm. And it's that thing. And he's like, no, it'll be fine. I'll change it. I'll be good then. When I'm poor, it'll be easier to be good. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Don't you see the path you've been on? Wow. You're you're headed down, buddy. Yeah. And you've done all this before. You're fooling yourself because you're not remembering. Hmm. So I love the fact that he is, in fact, you know, Markheim, one of the things that keeps getting brought up is not only the clocks, which is the ticking of time and the path he's been on and the path, um, the time not is not only precious for the theft, but the time is precious for his life. Hmm. And um he also, though, is quailing at all these mirrors. There are mirrors everywhere. Well, this other is the mirror that he can't escape. Hmm. This other is yeah. the one saying, you've done the stock exchange, and you're going to lose no matter what you do. Absolutely. Let's, let's, wow. And he can't yep. deny it. Mm-hmm. So he's making him face himself. Yeah. Yeah, and then Markheim, you know, struggling with that. It is true, he says. I have in some degree complied with evil, but so yeah. it is with all, right? The very saints yeah. in the mere exercise Everybody's of like living that. grow less dainty <laughs> and yeah, take on the tone of their surroundings. I'm no worse than anyone else. I mean, come we're, on, we're all right? the same here yeah. together. And then the other says, I will propound to you one simple question. And as you answer, I shall read to you your moral horoscope. <laughs> You have I love the moral grown, Yeah, you have grown things more lax. Possibly you do right to be so. And at any account, it is the same with all men. But granting that, are you in any one particular, however trifling, more difficult to please with your own conduct? Or do you go in all things with a looser rein? And then in any one, repeated Markheim, with an anguish of consideration? No, in none. I have gone down in all. Then, said the visitor, content yourself with what you are, for you will never change. And the words of your part on this stage are irrevocably written down. Yeah. Mark, so is it yeah. free will mm-hmm. or is it destiny? Right. And right then Markheim here. stood for a long him. while silent. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what Markheim has said. Right. I couldn't help it. I yep. meant well inside. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then and then he says, um, so Markheim says, that being so, shall I show you the money? And then, uh, the oops, I'm sorry, the other said that, yeah. That being so, shall I show you the money? And then uh, Markheim said, and grace? That was interesting. Have you not tried it? Returned the other. <laughs> I liked this. Yeah. Two or three years ago, did I not <laughs> see you on the platform of revival meetings as was not your voice the loudest in the hymn? It is true, said Markheim, and I see clearly what remains for me by the way of duty. I thank you for these lessons from my soul. My eyes are opened, and I behold myself at last for what I am. Yeah. 
And the funny thing is, because then the doorbell rings and it's the maid and the other's going, this is it. This is it, yeah. If you kill her, you know, Markham's mm-hmm. like, you know, forget that. <laughs> wow. I'm going to tell her. It's mm-hmm. I'm going to, in fact, he does, you know. Um, but the thing that's so great is Markheim says, you know, I see clearly what remains for me by way of duty. I thank you for these lessons for my soul. My eyes are opened and I behold myself at last for what I am. And I don't know how B.J. Harrison read that, Uh but to me it reads like, in your face, (laughs) you want me to do this, but I'm going to do the other thing, man. Uh I'm better than you think I am. Yes. Yep. You know, Mm -hmm. very defiant. Right. Right. Um, Because the other is just going, yeah, I've seen it. You've Uh done it before. And I'm just like, what a stroke of genius. I know there's one way that I can change things, says the other. And I'm going to poke this guy until he pushes back. Oh, wow. Yep. That's right. That's cool. Yep. And then the maid returns, right? She has returned as I forewarned you. And there is now before you one more difficult passage. Her master, you must say, is ill. You must let her in with an assured but rather serious countenance. No smiles, no overacting, and I promise you success. Once the girl within and the door closed, the same dexterity has already that has already rid you of the dealer will relieve you of this last danger in your path. Thenceforward, you have the whole evening, the whole night if needful, to ransack the treasures of this house and make good your safety. This is the help that comes to you with the mask of danger. Up, up, friend. Your life hangs trembling in the scales. Up and act. <laughs> I love it. You know, so, yeah. So he's, like, stirring Markheim to the decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's, yeah, and Markheim is like, I'm not going to listen to you. Just yeah. like you were saying. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, he says, if I be condemned to evil acts, he said, there is still one door of freedom open. I can cease from action. If my life be an ill thing, I can lay it down. Though I be, as you say truly, at the beck of every small temptation, I can yet by one decisive gesture place myself beyond the reach of all. My love of good is damned to barrenness. It may, and let it be, but I still have my hatred of evil. Which is hilarious mm-hmm. from this guy. You yeah. know, but it's because he's reached the moment of self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, to your galling disappointment, so that's in your face, you shall see that I can draw both energy and courage. The features of the visitor began to undergo a wonderful and lovely change. They brightened and softened with a tender triumph. And even as they brightened, faded, and dislimbed. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and even as they brightened, faded, and dislimbed. But Markheim did not pause to watch or understand the transformation. Mm-hmm. So then he goes downstairs and he tells the maid to come in and she better go get the cops because yeah. he's murdered the dealer. Yeah, he confesses straight away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, he's like, I do have free will. I will do this thing. Take mm-hmm. that because he thinks he's facing ultimate evil. Yeah, yeah. And it's one thing to slide down step by step. It's another thing to face that moment of choice. And his right. he triumphs in that moment of choice. Right. He makes the, the correct decision. Yeah, he's redeemed, um, really. Right. And it's interesting, you know, my love of good is damned to barrenness. It may and let it be. So this is not a total conversion or anything. Right. But I have still my hatred of evil. And from that to your galling disappointment, you shall see that I can draw birth energy and courage. So he's just 
contradicted himself. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's been proven to him that he can act against his nature. Right. And he does it. And then mm -hmm. that, in my head, puts him on a path that uh, hopefully will end with his conversion, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's definitely, um, whatever happens, which you assume he'll go undergo trial and, or maybe not even have to undergo trial, but he'll be, you know, condemned to death probably, but he'll be redeemed. Um, right. His redemption. That's what I meant rather than conversion. Yeah. That That's the word yeah. that I needed. Yeah. 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 His redemption. Because when, it, mm -hmm. <laughs> because when the visitor begins to change, then it's clear, mm -hmm. you know, he's happy. Right. This is what he's been trying to do. This is the 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 moment that he needed, right? The moment right. he was he was trying to uh, coax out of the guy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. it's interesting to think of a guardian angel, which uh -huh. is what I just assume he was. That's um, what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Is mm -hmm. uh, or I don't know how you know Stevenson felt about guardian angels, but uh -huh. an angel. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So on Christmas Day. <laughs> this is what Jesus came for, right? To save sinners. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So that's why I picked this story. Yeah, what a surprising story. So surprised. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> surprising story. Yeah, I didn't know what to think. You know, Robert Louis Stevenson. You know, <laughs> this guy trying to buy something on Christmas Day um, turns into this. That was something. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was surprisingly well i don't want to say surprisingly moral but the supernatural element really elevated it mm. yeah it turns then into um you know it's past i like i say and you mentioned you know there's the jekyll and hyde idea so he's been thinking it through but the supernatural element in this book is what makes it a more definitive statement for, by stevenson also yeah yeah. About men choosing and the difference it makes to their souls. Right, right. And I liked, um, you know, just Stevenson's writing is, is so good. So <laughs> yes. as the guy goes downstairs to open the door and to tell the, the maid that, hey, you should go get the police. Um, it says he, so he goes downstairs. Um, he paused in the passage and looked into the shop where the candle still burned by the dead body. It was strangely silent. Oh, no clocks. No clocks. Thoughts of the dealer swarmed into his mind as he stood gazing. So so two things happen here. One is he's no longer paranoid. It's mm -hmm. like something's been lifted. Mm -hmm. And then he's thinking about the person that he killed as a person. Yeah. Right? He's thinking about who he was. Yeah. Well, he's had... Uh, it's like... um. Metanoia might be the wrong word because that's a complete transformation, but he's clearly been set straight. Right. Yeah. So, right. He's, he's in his right mind, mm -hmm. I guess you would say. Yeah. yeah. For the first time since we've seen him in the story. Agreed. Yeah. And, and yeah. just in such economy, I mean, just, just sense, you know, just bam, just love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's a real work of genius i think yeah. it's yeah way to go i think he's going to be famous like so many <laughs> other authors that we've read <laughs> well you know we're front runners 
We're just alerting people to these That's stories right. that we find. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, shoot. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I love Thank it. goodness we lifted this one from obscurity. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I would have never run across this like so many other things. So, well, yeah, and that's the case, like I say, for me, if I would have read it and gone, oh, what a neat story. But if it wasn't for this podcast, I certainly wouldn't have thought about it very much. Mm, yeah. Looked at the way Stevenson wrote it and thought about how much is he saying in this short piece. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, you know, your friendship, one of one thing. I mean, this is the end of our ninth year, but your friendship has been the the most rewarding thing about doing this um, but another another thing is the it's changed how i read um mm-hmm. and even even now i find even if i'm not reading for the podcast when i'm reading um i read differently than i did when we started and it's much more rewarding well you know thank you and i have to say you know it's funny when we started the podcast uh, which will continue. This sounds like we're ending it, nope, but we're nope. not. Um, just for the year. Um, yeah. But it was, you know, you're a great guy. And I knew you from SFF Audio or from emails because of stuff like that. But um, this, yeah, it's changed our friendship. It's like reading these books, of course. Mm. And um, I'm so grateful for your friendship and also for the podcast for the same reasons. I watch movies differently. I read books differently. And I think back to things like um, Babette's Feast, which we talked about mm. a couple weeks ago. And, you know, when I said the first time I watched it, I was like, eh, who cares? <laughs> and then this last time I watched it, I was like, oh, there's so much here. It's <laughs> so wonderful. Yes. Oh, I love you know? it. Well, and thank you very just, much. Yes. Yeah, it's enriched everything. Yeah, so For sure. Yeah. But yeah, definitely continuing. You know, what's funny about um, Babette's Feast, um, since we recorded that one, I started to read a book by uh, Bishop Barron um, mm. that he wrote before he was a bishop uh, called Eucharist. Oh. And he spends the entire introduction talking about Babette's Feast. Oh, really? Yes. And um, there's like a whole other aspect to that, you know, and, and the Eucharist that he's using sort of to guide uh, his discussion on the Eucharist. Dang, I wish we'd have read that before. It's just like... <laughs> Curses. So it's, it's cool how everything just connects, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. For me, a book that really connects with that, which I didn't think about at the time, but I picked it up after we did it and went, oh, right. He talks about food incessantly at the beginning of this book. It's called For the Life of the World, Sacraments and Orthodoxy by Alexander Schmemann, Hmm. S-C-H-M-E-M-A-N-N. And he's an Orthodox guy. And I think he might be dead now. But anyway, and I should have been able to remember the name of this book more easily because my spiritual director gave it to me. (laughs) Nice. After recommending it, he finally handed me a copy and went, read it. And that was months ago. (laughs) So not the best, maybe, (laughs) but I will read it occasionally. And the whole beginning is talking about food and how important it is. And starting off with the fact that we were tempted through food. Oh, so true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God provided food, mm-hmm. all this food, and then we were tempted through it, and that's how we fell. Wow. So he starts talking about all this, and he's connecting it to the Eucharist also. 
Um, so I guess I need to reread that. Very read nice. The beginning of that mm-hmm. Eucharist book by Bishop Barron, probably the whole thing, <laughs> but at least that. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> and, uh, it's not a big about book. It's great. Feast. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> if only Bishop Barron or Alexander Schmiemann had written about clocks and mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling they did. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they did. We'll find it after this podcast episode goes out. <laughs> Time and self-reflection, right? Yes, yeah, yes. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Which is not bad because we're in Advent as we record this, and mm. that's kind of, we're looking at Christmas, the second coming of Christ, self-reflection for yeah. the end of the church year and the beginning of the new church year and yeah. the regular year. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. All right. Well. Also grateful for you guys. Oh, yes. Absolutely we are. Yes. Thank you for listening. Yeah. And then for those of you who contact us sometimes, thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, We enjoy that quite a bit. Yes. That is wonderful. (laughs) So. Yeah. So cool. Um, Should we say anything about next year at all? We can. Um, okay, we so, kind of know the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah. We, we know what's going to happen to me. So on the, we'll resume on January the fourteenth, twenty twenty, with a special guest uh, and a special selection there, and then um, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to Ooh. go through the Book of Genesis in three episodes. Um, the first episode we'll talk about Genesis one, and we'll also talk about a book called Seven Glorious Days by Carl W. Giberson. And then we'll take two more episodes to go through the rest of Genesis. And I'm so looking forward to that. Yay! Yay, Genesis. <laughs> I can't have a favorite book of the Bible, really, but it's one of my favorite books of the Bible. <laughs> nice. Yes. Love it. Love it. So that's our plan to open yeah, the year. And then I think, don't we have also a couple of movies oh, that's already right. chosen that are just kind yeah. of a mutual agreement of these are these go with each other. Uh yes. Uh-huh. So that's her AI. her mm-hmm. and and ex machina. Yeah. Right. Two very different looks at artificial intelligence. Oh, that's going to be good. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, it's it's kind of it doesn't really go with Genesis, I guess, although they are talking about creating intelligence in life. So Right. You know, Here we go. are. Yeah. As people creating intelligences. You know, maybe, maybe that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the science it's fiction what part. That's right? what we're calling intelligences. Yeah. That's. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which and one more way we're different from God. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a terrible definition, so. Oh shit. It can anyway. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yes, we will. Yes, we will. It's oh, going to be fun. But anyway, yep. very much looking forward to that. That'll be year ten. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Season yep. ten of good story. Gonna be fun. Good heavens. <laughs> yes. Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But wonderful. Thank you very much, everybody. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. And uh, have a wonderful holiday season. Yes. We'll talk to you after the new year. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.